Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today my guest is climate activist and documentary filmmaker Josh Fox. He He's an Oscar nominee. He's an Emmy winner. You probably know his documentary Gasland, which is about fracking, but he's also done all kinds of other documentaries. The Truth Has Changed, How to Let Go of the World and Awake. He's also the host of Staying Home on TYT. We had a very, I think, productive conversation about how progressive Democrats and centrist Democrats can kind of, uh, I don't know, get along, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Now, I want to say there's, I, I want to keep this intro as short as possible because something has changed since I've recorded the outro. So I had my conversation with Josh, Josh and then I recorded an outro, and now something has changed. I'm not sure what's happening next week. I originally planned on taking it off but something has come up. I don't want to get into the details of this. I will on a patrons only show. But right now, I literally just got off the phone with somebody and I don't know what's going to happen next week. So right now, I may be taking it off. I may not. I don't know. We're going to see what happens. I don't have anybody booked, of course, but it is going to be election week. So I think I might be able to find a couple people I can have on uh, to discuss whatever's going on. But just please, I, I'm sorry for this confusion, and I don't, I don't want to make what's going on known right now just because I don't know what's going on, but something might change. Now, all that said, I'm just going to be as quick as I can. Don't forget, I am an Amazon associate, and I include a link in the text description of this show on Patreon that you can click on and go shopping. And when you do click on it, you will see The Melt, which is written by Ann Werner, my mother. She wrote this book about... A global pandemic caused by climate change. She started it in December of 2016. And basically, if you use that link to go shopping as an Amazon associate, I earn from qualifying purchases. And the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners. It's woman run. Hello, I'm the woman. And I don't have corporate backers. I don't use advertisers. It's patrons who keep this show going. So if you enjoy today's show, please visit patreon.com slash start me up. And you'll see the different tiers. You can take a look at the show, who I've had on. I've talked to many different political people and a few actors. Take a look at the tiers, as I said. You sign up for two bucks, right? And if you decide later that you want to upgrade, you can do that. But the way that I do this is I do Mondays and Wednesdays. Those are free shows every week. And then twice a month, I do patrons-only shows. If you sign up for $4 or less, you get the first patrons only show delivered to your email box. If you sign up for the $5 tier, you get all the free shows delivered to your email box plus both patrons only shows. And in November, I'm going to start adding to the $5 tier, you will get the outro, which I will come up with a name. But basically, it will be me just like I have on the show with Josh Fox. After Josh hangs up, I share some of my thoughts and feelings about our conversation a few personal things. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reserve that for my patrons only. I'll say goodbye in the traditional way, adding my, you know, my Twitter and all that good stuff. But $5 tier gets you both patrons only shows and the additional after every free show that I do, you get that commentary after the show. So I hope that was clear. And while you're on patreon.com slash start me up. You can take a look at my tiers and like, let's say you go and look at the $3. Or I don't think I have a $3. Say you're looking at the $5 tier. You could change that into a $7 tier. You don't have to stick. You can, you can basically what I'm trying to say is you can pay whatever you feel like. 
I've given you options, but you can change those options into whatever dollar amount you're comfortable with. Just visit, again, patreon.com slash startmeup. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I always include my email, so you use that email if you're going to send uh, a one-time donation. And then also, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Please stop by Apple. It's well, There's Apple Podcasts, which is the main site, or there's iTunes, which is the app that takes you there. It's free to become a subscriber and to give me a rating and a review. You don't have to write a long review, just a quick one. That would be awesome. Reviews are great. Have I told you that before? I think I've told you that before. Anyway, I wanted to make this very quick. So please keep in mind, I don't know what's happening next week. I don't know. So I will keep you posted. I will send you stuff when I find out. I should know by tomorrow what's going on. Maybe I'll send everybody a quick little patrons-only reminder or, you know, thing that of what I'm doing. Oh, my God, everything is so fucking stressful. Anyway, please enjoy my conversation with Josh Fox. Welcome to the podcast, Josh. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be on. I know, I know you're, uh, you're in New Orleans where there's like a hurricane happening, right? Well, um, yeah, I've actually been away from New Orleans for the last seven months. Uh-huh. We left when the coronavirus hit really hard and um, it vanished into the woods of Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. And realized that uh, we had to come back because we just missed it so much. Mm. Um, it's the greatest city in the world and the greatest city in the United States. And, and so we, uh, we decided to come back because um it was either stay for another week and get socked by a lot of snow which we couldn't even imagine doing again because it was was so it was snowing until like late april may (laughs) and then we decided to come back even though we knew there was a hurricane on the the forecast possible hurricane and now it looks like we've arrived (laughs) within like 24 hours of a direct wow So we're, wow. we're, we're prepping, you know, <laughs> but I have time to talk to you. Yay. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say that I am a fan and I watched Thank Gasland. I, I have to admit that's the only one that I've seen of yours, but um, I thought it was a fantastic documentary and well, definitely want to uh, talk to you a little bit about fracking. And But well, you should watch all the rest of them too. I know I should. <laughs> <laughs> well, and hey, I'm fucking locked down, so I have nothing else to do, right? So, And I do. And take- they're all up for free right now. Oh, really? About, Where uh, are they? They're, all at, uh, they're at joshfoxfilm.com. Oh, cool. Um, all the films, except for Gasland 2, I think, which is on HBO. Okay. But there's a, 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 some real quality material there. Awesome. I would encourage it myself. Well, you know, I mean, obviously fr- fracking is an issue right yeah. now. And I know that yeah. Joe Biden has said that he's not going to ban fracking. And it, 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 it appears that he's going to incrementally get away, you know, move away from it. Um I don't. I'm happy I mean, to talk about that. Yeah. Pardon me. I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, so that, I, I'd okay. like to know. Of course, that's okay. And and I'd like yeah. to know, um, you know, what your thoughts are on what he says. Well, okay. So it's a complex problem and a complex issue. Um, obviously, Bernie Sanders campaigned on a ban for fracking. Yeah. On a ban on fracking, which is a position that I helped them. Come to obviously, I I broke the story on fracking worldwide with my film Gasland. We actually redefined the issue and taught people all about it, um, starting in 2010. And so for me, every single time someone says the word fracking, especially in something like the presidential debate, yeah, I'm 
over the moon yeah. happy <laughs> with the fact <laughs> that they're even talking about it. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it's such an important issue in this election cycle um, is like really amazing. At the same time, every time they say Joe Biden's not going to ban fracking, it does feel like a punch in the stomach. Yeah. I mean, this is the typical punch left, punch the hippie, punch the environmentalist that the centrists always do because mm -hmm. they're trying to grab votes in the middle mm -hmm. and they think that there are votes there in key places like Pennsylvania. And I don't, I don't think that that's true. Um, the polling suggests that uh, on uh, the curve on fracking, we have done such a good job as a movement mm -hmm. and we want, you know, most Democrats, 75% of Democrats don't want anything to do with fracking. Yeah. And even a majority of Republicans, um, you know, or it's, it's, it's around even. So it, it comes out overall that people don't want fracking. Right. Right. And, but yet they're trying to gather some of those centrist votes mm -hmm. that they think, or, you know, center right Republicans, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, um, anyone who is not a Trump authoritarian, right. They're trying to get, and they're taking us for granted as they always do at the same time. This is an interesting moment, right? Because Biden's climate plan is a $2 trillion plan that was written in collaboration with Bernie Sanders, AOC, and the Sunrise Movement. Mm -hmm. That's the forefront of people working on climate. Yeah. Right? And that plan phases out fracking on a timescale that's similar to what a ban would be. Interesting. So there's Interesting. something of a nod and a wink here yes. going on, right? Okay. Um, I was on the Democratic platform in 2016. When we were campaign, I had two amendments to propose to the platform committee on behalf of the Sanders campaign. One was a ban on fracking and the other was a ban on fracked gas infrastructure, pipelines, power plants, mm -hmm. um, all the things that they want to use natural gas for, which was a disaster, right? Like the Obama administration actually really cooked our goose with this because they proposed fracked gas power plants all across the United States wow. instead of proposing renewable energy and something like the Green New Deal, which they should have done. And the technology was there to do, and the, pol and the p political will was there to do. There was no reason why they embraced gas. It was a disaster, and it, makes it didn't make any sense, and we campaigned really hard for them not to do that. It seems like Joe Biden has gotten that message, and in this plan, there is a phasing out right. of frack of gas in, um, in, a, in, a, in a fast fashion, um, which I think is commensurate with what we did actually accomplish on the platform committee in 2016, which was a ban on that frack gas mm -hmm. infrastructure. Um, so I think that there's hope, but I don't think that that's going to happen without really significant pressure right. from our movement. Yes. Having said that, Biden plus our movement can be a win. When we put pressure on Joe Biden to stop fracking in the Delaware River Basin, which is my home in Pennsylvania and in, across the river in New York, we won that battle and he actually took action. Hmm. So when we, we've seen Biden respond to pressure from the left, which is our cue, mm -hmm. we must go in, rush in. Yeah and put pressure on him. But this is a really good sign. I mean, we've never had a presidential candidate at this stage of the race, you know, say climate is my number one issue, mm -hmm. which Joe Biden right, just said, yeah. which I think is a, a nod to us progressives. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I'd like to just kind of say that I, I have pushed Democrats in the past. I mean, one of the things that I mm -hmm. did uh, was I was threatening to write disparaging articles about people who were not <laughs> were not <laughs> were not taking the equal rights amendment seriously and mm -hmm. one of those people and my listeners know this very well but one of those senators was Mark Warner and interestingly this was like mm -hmm. back in I think 2013 yeah it was 2013 right. it was before the midterms because I didn't want to do it during I didn't want to trash on Democrats during a midterm election and you know I mean I I would call up their chief of staff and I, I was working with another group of women who were basically 
boots on the ground. They were going to his office and getting kind of a pat on the ass. And so mm. I said, well, like, look, he's a, he's a Democratic senator. Why isn't he supporting this? It's not even a vote. Blah, 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 blah. So I right. said that I was going to write this thing. And I even sent them what I was writing and said, if you, if I don't hear back from you, this is set in, you know, to go out on Monday, it went out and, uh, you know, I, I shamed the shit out of him. And then like mm. within a few hours, he said, okay, I'm going to sign the resolution. It was a resolution to remove the, um, the deadline that had been attached, the expired deadline. So anyway, I totally, well, but I think that's a, that's a very specific kind of tactic. And I think that the truth is that there, it's not just what we call the movement, right? Uh -huh. That we need to, to operate here, not like just people in the streets, but it is often media, right? Yeah. But that's what I do, right? We create videos. Um, when And we create uh, viral videos. We create campaigns that go along with them. We create uh, articles that go along with those viral videos. That's the whole infrastructure. So as the journalists who are listening, it's not just, um, you know, a question of, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, activists and so forth right. that need to do this type of work. But it's also our uh, responsibility as people who have influence in the media to do yeah, that. Yeah, and right? that's, that's you know, I mean, I have to say, I didn't like the feeling it gave me. It made me, I did it to other <laughs> <laughs> to other senators. It's uncomfortable. And, yeah, and, and some senators didn't even need, uh, they didn't need to be pressured about an article. They said, sure, I'll sign it. I mean, there was always the threat. Because I, I mean, I just wrote for an independent blog. It got really substantial reach, but at that time, but you know, I mean, it wasn't like it was just Liberals Unite. Nobody ever heard of it, but still, it reached all these people. We had these, we had enormous platforms to post the blog on, and so sometimes just the, you know, veiled threat of an article pointing mm -hmm. out that you're an asshole made them say, "Sure, I'll sign it," because it was really, it really was nothing. But it did. It felt and horrible. that scares them. Yeah. I think that scares them. And you need to treat politicians. I agree. As somebody to that they should be afraid of us. Yeah, I mean they work for us, and they, yeah. you know, our tax dollars pay their their bills. And sometimes what I see, and I don't like this, is that because of the situation that we've been uh, put in by Republicans, who, in my opinion, are kind of like the Nazi Party. Now, I mean, they're not sending people to others. They are the, the authoritarian. But they are authoritarians, yeah. and they don't like Mitch McConnell laughing at the fact that people are dying of COVID. They have put us in such a terrible situation. It's, it's horrifying. Yeah, that there are certain Democratic voters who get freaked out when activists will point out negative parts of our own party. But yeah. I'd like to kind of just, I like to go to Elizabeth Warren on this because I think she does a really fantastic job of highlighting what is wrong without attacking, but offering up a solution. And, you know, I mean, of course uh -huh. there are Democrats. I mean, there's, there's Brad Schneider, I don't know if he's still there, but he, he was one of the targets for the ERA. And, you know, he's a he's a, I think he's a senator or house rep. I don't know. But anyway, he's in Illinois. I kept threatening, you know, his office that I was going to do this article. I did the article. Nobody ever cared. And then in the end, well, well he did support it. But the reason why he supported it was because a, an ERA activist friend of mine had access to a fundraiser he wanted a part of so See, it's all yeah. about that though yes that's the, that's the thing it's yeah. not about just one thing it's always about being relentless yes and when you're relentless in pursuit of your objective you're gonna find that one funder that you know <laughs> that they care about yes and you're gonna find that one journalist who has an in who is gonna put this piece in bloomberg or yeah. you're gonna find Somebody at Rolling Stone, yeah. you know, 
Like I found Jeff Goodell back in the day when we were trying to fight off Governor Cuomo to ban fracking in New York State. And we made a short video called The Sky is Pink about how the industry was lying to the media and the media wasn't going to report on it. And we put it in Rolling Stone. It got 250,000 views. Wow. And it accompanied with an article. And, you know, it created significant pressure and pushback. And every single time you say to yourself, I'm going to be as resourceful as possible. (laughs) I am going to be relentless and I'm going to be... um, like uh, Anne Bogart, the great theater director, always used to say that the measure of an actor, the greatness of an actor, is in the differentiation with which they attack the obstacle. Hmm. And so you have to have a differentiated attack. Yeah. You can't just say, all right, what we're going to do today is going to protest. And then tomorrow we're going to protest. And the next day we're going to protest. <laughs> and the day after that we're going to protest. That's all important. Mm-hmm. We have to stay take to the streets because the streets is our proving ground. Yeah. But we also have to do the other stuff, right? We have to pull those levers of power. I remember when we were fighting fracking in the Upper Delaware River Basin and there was a, a, a small organization of my neighbors called the Damascus Citizens for Sustainability. It was Damascus County, Damascus Township in Wayne County in Pennsylvania. And this was a group of people who, uh, some of which who lived there full time and others of which were weekenders who lived in mm-hmm. New York City. And it was always, how resourceful can we be? Can mm-hmm. we meet, have a meeting with Andy Lack? Can we find Steve Jordan, the old drummer from the, uh, uh, the uh, genius uh, virtuosic drummer who used to be with the Blues Brothers and w- plays with John Mayall, and he lives up here. And can we get him to talk to David Letterman? And and mm-hmm. and then we can get the film to Yoko Ono. And you know, all of right. that stuff yeah. worked. Wow. It worked like gangbusters because Gasland did get to Yoko Ono. Yeah. Yoko Ono gave me the John Lennon uh, Yoko Ono Peace Prize wow. um, in 2010. And then she mounted a huge campaign called Artists Against Fracking, which we helped advise. Right. But it was the it was the, her cook yeah. in her upstate mansion who lived there, who said, wow. I have to get this film to her. You know, those are the, that's, ty- that's what we have to do yeah. as a movement. Yeah. Um, all of that incredibly like inventive stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> fun, it's <laughs> funny you say that just because when, you know, I was, I was such a ERA advocate. I still am, although it's not my number one focus now because all three states have ratified. Now it's like a legal push for the expired deadline and, you know, I will definitely once hopefully we'll have that Democratic Congress and, and hopefully yeah. they will, ha- uh, you know, avoid whatever lawsuits they have to go through with or whatever. Uh, but it'll just be voted because I think, you know, it was extended once that deadline. It can be extended again or just outright removed. Mm-hmm. But I remember feeling like I needed I desperately wanted to find uh, a media savvy person, specifically someone who was good looking for two reasons. Good looking because <laughs> people pay attention to good looking people. And if it were a woman, you know, men would pay attention. And so and, and that's not to be negative. It's just understanding, you know, the American electorate and what this they pay what attention to. This is what I'm saying, to. though, about being relentless, <laughs> inventive. Yes. And so it when was, your back's against the wall, you're going to you come gotta up figure with all sorts out. of crazy ideas. Yeah. And so it was like I had this like feeling and I thought I, I call it now it was it was a manifestation because I, I desperately wanted to find somebody 
with that description who was articulate. And years later, because that, that was the thought I had back around 2013. So in 2015, I think it was 2015 or 2016, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I just, I hooked up, I, I found Alyssa Milano and I had her mm-hmm. ear and uh, she became exactly what I wanted. You know, she had that platform, <laughs> she, she dove in, she understood it and she started to fight for it. And I do believe that, you know, her voice was very important mm-hmm. to get it you know, to get it where it is today. I mean, that, that now she does, I don't want to give her all the credit because there's so many people on the ground. There were so many just, you know, regular people who would go to the courthouses or, or not the courthouses, but the legislatures and, and mm-hmm. knock on the door. So, I mean, all of us are extremely important whenever there's some kind of issue. Um, and so what I want to... That's what I always yeah. say, like, you know, you have to find... There's two, there's to me, I, I get, when I go out on the road and I talk a lot with um, pe- people in the movement because we, we all, we relentlessly tour our films and tour them to the grassroots and do a lot of that work in person and always, um, you know, you know, do our best to support the boots on the ground, yeah. the, the people who are really organizing. And, uh, you know, um, and they ask, well, what do we do now? Or, or young filmmakers yeah. will ask me, what do I do? And it's always say the same thing. I say, you know, do what you love. You have to do what you love mm-hmm. in the movement. You have to add what you love to the movement. If, you know, like, for example, when I, when I first heard about thing and I went up to the organizers, um, I didn't say to them, uh, I said, I didn't say, Hey, I want to help you organize yeah. because I'm like the most disorganized person <laughs> in the world. I can't, I don't, I can't organize a sock drawer, you know? And like, I, so I, but if I had said that, I want to help you organize, I would have been gone in three weeks. Yeah. I would have been done. I would have been frustrated. It would have been, it. but I said to them, look, I make movies, right. You know, maybe I should make a movie. And <laughs> here we are mm-hmm. 12 years, you know, six feature films wow. and tw- tw- 20,000 shorts later. Mm-hmm. And I'm still here. Right. So you do what you love mm-hmm. and you hope that's useful. So if you're a great organizer, do that. If you're a graphic designer, do that. Mm-hmm. If you know, add what you love to the movement. If you're a people person, talk to people. But on the other hand, when it's time for the march, mm-hmm. you show up. Yeah. You show up and you be a foot soldier. Yes. And you, so you do the thing that makes you incredibly unique. And then you do the thing that, that makes you like just everybody else. <laughs> right. Yeah. We need, we need to do both of those with equal passion. So in that, at this moment, it's vote and sign up for registering right. for people to vote, all that kind of stuff. That, that is so important right now, yeah. you know, um, anyway, that's the, that, so, but what I'm, I guess I'm saying is that like, you're going to find Alyssa Milano and Alyssa Milano loves to be Alyssa Milano. So, you know, <laughs> that's what she's going to do best. Um, and like, you know, or at least I think that she does. It's pretty clear that she does. Well, I but think, like, you know, you know I mean, the I've... idea that, that you have to um, do this in a certain way is yeah. not true. Like there's no map. Right. Exactly. Just, I mean, I figured, I knew that, I knew that there were, there was nobody heading up that movement who had any, you know, I mean, I, I actually tried with a friend of mine who was at the time 14 years old. She was kind of like a phenom. Her, I don't know if you ever heard of her, but her name is Madison Kimry. And she was, she's really smart, like way beyond her years. And the way I met her was she wrote an open letter to, to her governor about voting. And I introduced her to the Equal Rights Amendment. And I was kind of hoping, you know, maybe because she did get some coverage from the news media. And I thought not about ERA, but I was thinking maybe, you know, she could, but it didn't work. So it was like, all right, uh, Alyssa was the person because she had this huge platform. She totally dove in and gave it 100%. And I appreciated that. But you know, I kind of want to talk to you. This is really why I wanted to talk to you. 
I want to just uh-huh. fill you in a little bit about my pa- I know you follow me on Twitter, so you are familiar mm-hmm. with my story somewhat. But 2016, I was a fierce Bernie supporter. Um, mm. In 2020, I was I, I, you know, I mean, I supported Elizabeth Warren. And I will admit that there are things about Bernie Sanders that kind of turn me off. That said, I appreciate his vision. And, I, and the only the thing is, is I, I supported Warren specifically because I felt personally that she might be able to accomplish more than he could have. Although if he were the nominee, I would have supported anybody, you know, whoever the nominee, maybe not Tulsi, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would well, have supported anybody. Gonna, there was no there was very little chance of that. Right. Exactly. But um, so. You know, obviously, you and I, I think, I consider myself progressive, um, and obviously you're progressive. And then now we've got this, we've got this situation going on <laughs> with, you know, Donald Trump and, and, and the, what has happened to... <laughs> I think that's really... We have this little situation, like, like you have a, like, uh, a fascism. You're, you yeah, have a problem. You, well, it's got this little problem it's called like fascism. like going to the doctor and you say, well, there's a situation. You have fascism. It's a problem. But I mean, we've got this, we've got this problem and... It's a big problem. Yeah, and, and... <laughs> One of the things, <laughs> one of the yeah. things that stresses me out, are the people who are so far on the left that they're spending more time attacking the Democrats, and saying that they can get along with Republicans better, and and, and it's this. I am not a you know. I mean, some of these people who shall rena- remain nameless. Uh, have referred to me and people like me as people who have blind obedience, which I do not have. Um, yeah, I know. And, 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 you know, and it's, it pisses me off. And well, it's upsetting there's a to lot me. of stuff on Twitter. Well, I know, I know. has to be seen. There's so many different things going on there that I've almost thought I had to, I have, I, I, half the time I can't look at it. Yeah. Because a lot of it is um, fake. A yeah, but but there's, there's but there are I mean I know some but there are real people yeah who are they, saying, they, and they fall for some and, of this shit and it's, it's and those it's real people um it's hard to not get sucked in by them I get sucked in by them all the time I get really angry at the Green Party for example because they call themselves the Green Party <laughs> and they don't do a lot of environmental campaigning and I can tell you that for real because I'm an environmentalist and I'm doing right. all the frontline campaigns and I, I rarely ever see the Green Party. Yeah, on the, front line. the Green Party shows up every four years and well, see, that's president. the problem. Yeah, and, that's, and they have that's the same it. strategy since twenty years that failed twenty years ago, and they can't seem to get out of that skipping record groove, which right. tells you something. Yeah. Now I'll just say, like, that I don't want to piss anybody off. I don't want to make anybody <laughs> more entrenched in their position. Right. What I would say is, sixty percent of wildlife has died and gone away in the last 50 years. Hmm. 50% of all species on the planet are due for extinction if we st- if we don't stop climate change at two degrees. Yeah. If we have four more years of Trump, mm-hmm. that you're putting to death 50% of the bio- biodiversity of the planet. Wow. I would just say, please. Yeah. Please. please. Well, I, don't, I don't think you're going to be pissing we have anybody a, off here. <laughs> I, I would just go back to climate again and again and again. And oh, if, yeah. they don't, if they don't think the climate is worth it, if they don't think that stopping Trump with a corona – I mean like Joe Biden and, and, and Barack Obama, whatever you want to say about them, and I can say a lot of – I mean my whole Gasland too is dedicated to attacking that administration because they were so bad at, 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 on the fracking issue. Mm-hmm. 
But they were they we didn't have two hundred thousand deaths from Ebola. Mm-hmm. And that and they're the reason. Right. Right. They did that well. And they're they were at least competent on that level. Mm-hmm. They may not have been competent in other ways in terms of getting legislation passed and whatnot. They may have they may be in the pocket of Wall Street. The point is though that I'm saying we have a crisis and an emergency, and please, mm-hmm. please, 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 if you're in a swing in a swing state, even Cornell West is saying this. Even <laughs> uh, Susan Sarandon is saying this. Um, you know, they had this launch for this People's Party. Very few of those yes. people said, "Don't vote for Biden." Right. So what I'm suggesting is, please vote for him because the climate. Yeah. Look, we're we're at a we're at a a, a life or death moment. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in the city of New Orleans. The greatest city in the world, and we are facing down a hurricane that's coming at us tonight, and it's October twenty seventh, eighth, twenty eighth, isn't it? Right? Yeah, it's 28th. the third to the last day of the hurricane season. This right. is the twelfth storm that's going to make landfall. Wow, this is crazy, mm-hmm. and we have ninety thousand acres burning in California yes. as we speak. Mm-hmm. We have two hundred thousand cases of coronavirus. Look. I don't like these people. I think they're facetious. I don't. I think they're 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 not um, on our side. I think they're on the side of their donors in Wall Street, and I think the DNC and their establishment is, is fairly corrupt and also ineffectual. Like we should have stopped ACB, and you know, crazy that we didn't stop her before the election. Unbelievable. Let me ask you this: I don't know how, how the Democrats managed to not do everything in their power. Nancy Pelosi could have impeached Donald Trump a second time. Anything could have happened to gum up the work, anything, and they didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I don't like these people. They're rich. They're millionaires. They don't understand. They live in a bubble in Washington, D.C. However, please, Donald Trump just opened up the the one of the largest forests in Alaska, one of the last wildlife refuge left in Alaska to logging and development. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're using the Department of Interior like a piggy bank. It is a disaster yeah. of epic proportions. Please, please, please. You know, that's the positive argument for Joe Biden. Right. And the fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage and a whole lot of other things. Yeah, and I mean I but absolutely it, you know, would I mean be... to, to to um to to open up the Tongass National Forest in Alaska. Yeah. People don't think they care about that, but like, you know, honestly, we don't have we live on a planet and if we don't have wildlife, if we don't have forests, if we don't have a nature having dominance in certain areas or most, you know, we have to rethink everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that, um, I agree. If you're saying that you want to burn it all down, you know, and, and, and vote for a third party, vote for the green party, just please understand that that's what you're, that's what you're helping burn down. Right. Is the forest. Well, I doubt any, I'm not any trying of those to shame people. people I'm just trying to say on a policy level, yeah, we have an opportunity here to stop the bleeding. Yeah. And we've got you. Well, and I mean, the thing is, is, you know, I mean, my mother used to write about, about climate all the time. My boyfriend, Bob Seska, used to write about, and it's funny because before he was my boyfriend, uh, my mother would write about climate and complain that nobody would read about it. And then I saw mm-hmm. Bob on Twitter complaining about the same thing. And I'm like, look, mom, other people, other people who write about the climate are also frustrated. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting now, at least where there is more attention being paid and you can see that, it, but it's just not the sexy issue. I mean, it was the inconvenient truth and it's still inconvenient and people don't want to face it. I mean, I think more of us are facing it this time, but 
Uh, well, I think it is the number one issue for it young is, people. It is, because if we don't have this, we have nothing. The rest of it won't even matter. And I, you know, I mean, the thing that I'm, that I do want to talk to you about is because of who you are and where you stand and what you've seen. You know, we've got this time, this moment in time where people like um, Rick Wilson, who I'm not the biggest fan of him. I mean, I'll admit that the guy can be funny. And I know he, he cuts to the jugular. He gets right to it. Um, he did it to Democrats. He did it to Obama. And now he's mm. doing it to Trump. Um, you know, I had Steve Schmidt on my show. And it was interesting because... You know, when when I invited him on, he was super cool. And then in the interim, before he came on, uh oh, so just phone just went out for a second. I don't know why. It's well, it happens. Weird thing. It's technology. Yeah, it All right. So anyway, you, you were speaking about climate change and, and writing on climate change. And and Steve, well, so so basically, uh, and actually, I was talking, getting back to the conversation before we were cut off. So I was talking about the Lincoln Project, and right. So. I had Steve Schmidt on the show. And so in the interim, when, you know... I Who is Steve talk, Schmidt? Okay, first of all, he, he's part of the Lincoln Project, but he was the campaign manager for um, John McCain in 2008. And so he's, he's on MSNBC all the time, and he's a never-Trumper. He okay. left the Republican Party. He's an independent. So now he's part of... And he's, he's got all the words, man. He, he's just like, he's got all the fucking words. He's really good with words. But so anyway, I wanted to have him on because I felt like, you know, all right, he's a never-Trumper, blah, blah, blah. So what wound up happening is I invited him. He said yes. And then he criticized... Elizabeth Warren, and this was during the primary, so I called him out for it and said, well, if she's the nominee, you're giving the Republicans, you know, video of you going mm. against her. And, and he didn't really like that. So then uh, while when he came on my show, uh, when he was a guest on my show, I should say, um, you know, he, he was a little different than he usually is on MSNBC. He's a little bit more friendly and he was blaming Democrats for Trump. And so I wasn't sure if it was like him being petty because I've never heard him say that. But the point is, is that I'm not I'm not this big, huge fan of especially George Conway. I really don't trust that guy. But um, when it comes to those guys, I recognize it's good to have them on our side right now for a number of reasons. Like I would never give them money, but I'll, I'll share their videos. I, I'd rather give mm -hmm. a Democratic candidate money. But um, I think that. Well, I think it's interesting that there's you're seeing the, the warfare that the Trump administration is so good at, which is come like you know one of the major ways that trump got elected was they had this massive digital campaign and the guy who invented it and ran it i think he just ended up in a mental hospital yes brad perscall yes. um or something like that well um, he got arrested he got arrested he, he was arrested something. because anyway was up this was, what they created was millions and millions and millions of ad variations that um that were targeted to, to specific individuals, yeah. psychological types. Right. Um, and the Clinton campaign was totally flat-footed on the way that to use uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, they had they were nowhere near in, in terms of the sophistication that the Trump campaign had online. Mm -hmm. And what you're seeing now is rather very elements within our society and i would consider the lincoln project and michael bloomberg among those mm -hmm. uh doing the same thing mm -hmm. right. right yes exactly. so they're now as savvy and smart online as the trump campaign used to be mm -hmm. and so they've closed the digital ad mm -hmm. but they're not democrats and see, they, it, they, it wasn't coming from 
Hmm? Well, they're not Democrats, and so they're no, that's help- what I'm saying. Yeah, they're helping. They're, they're not. They're not Democrats, and and Bernie, I think, you know, it was interesting to think about this because I spent years investigating this. I wrote a book on it called "The Truth Has Changed." It's a solo performance that I was doing all across America. I did it in 43 uh, states and 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 uh, or 43 cities, and and at the Public Theater and at UCLA and at the Walker Art Center. It's it, uh, uh, or sorry, at the Wexner, and I'm doing it at the Walker in. January. Um, and it was all about how, you know, digital ma- manipulation mm-hmm. works yeah, because the oil industry came at me with a digital campaign, a smear campaign for years and years and years after Gasland. So I was mm-hmm. very well acquainted. And the people who ran that campaign were Andrew Breitbart and Steve Bannon hmm. and the same people who <laughs> ended up getting Trump elected. Right. I mean, Breitbart is dead, but you know, Bannon. Yes. And so, um, what I was, I've been monitoring uh, is that that kind of stuff can get you a couple of percentage points. It's like how many people voted for Michael Bloomberg in the primary? Mm-hmm. Probably 5% maybe, you know? Um, th- that'll bump you up, but that's enough to win, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. So you're seeing the forces against Trump, and they are Republicans, mm-hmm. and some of them are in Democrats in name, I guess, whatever you want to call Michael Bloomberg, mm-hmm. and a technocrat. A bureaucrat, and, yeah. an, an autocrat. Uh, uh, just as <laughs> I hate him, but um, as a New Yorker, I hate just hate him. And he's a racist, and he's a pro-fracking yeah. piece of crap, and he's a billionaire, and all those things. So it was really interesting to me as a burning person, knowing the digital sophistication that needed to happen. Yeah. Um, and watching the Bernie campaign develop, what I thought was really honest and great digital campaign that was a comprehensive and his digital presence was terrific. And they were able to do it in such a way that wasn't a manipulation. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was uh, extraordinary. Um, but it's, it's, you're seeing now the center left or whatever you want to call them, center, right center, use those same type of mm-hmm. tactics. And that's what the Lincoln project is. Well, the and Lincoln I, project I think, is an answer yeah. to Trump's digital campaign. Well, and it's also a way for those, that, particular group of people. I mean, you know, Rick Wilson was in charge of, I think all of the, it was, it was, was it the Reverend Wright? I think it was the Reverend Wright. Um, oh boy. That whole thing. So, you know, yeah, I, mean, I, I was actually campaigning for Obama in Pennsylvania um, at the time that all the Reverend Wright stuff came out. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a fascinating time yeah. to be knocking doors for Obama because, <laughs> you know, in rural Pennsylvania, because yeah. people were like, you know, this Reverend Wright right. um, was like a big, you know, issue. And then he made the flub about guns and religion and all that. Yeah. So there was like, <laughs> so who ran the Reverend Wright? What are you saying? So basically Rick Wilson was the one who put together those Reverend, the, the, the attack basically on Obama. He did. I know. Because he, of Reverend Wright. Yeah. He, he used Reverend, uh-huh. Reverend White Wright to go after Obama. And then, you know, he also used he worked within the Republican, uh, I think it was like a primary, and this was a while back, and I don't know, remember names, but I, all I remember mm-hmm. is that there was a a guy, run, he was a Republican guy, he was a veteran, and he was running, he lost both of his legs and his um, arm in the war, 
and so Rick was working for his, huh. you know, the guy who was opposing him, who's also a Republican, and went right. after the veteran. And so, you know, he really is, I will say this, I don't really like the man. I recognize he has a sense of humor, and I recognize he's very, very good at putting these ads together. And the ads that he's using right now, I think, I think a lot of what they're trying to do, outside of convincing, you know, other Republicans to vote for Biden this time, is I think that, you know, they are poking Trump. They want to get a rise out of him. They want to say, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And so I think there is some benefit. That's just really interesting. Like, I don't, I don't understand the logic because obviously Trump is delivering all the things that they want him to deliver. The Republicans? Yeah. Well, yeah. The, but see these, but I, but everybody. I think the they're Lincoln afraid project, that he's going to sink their brand forever. Well, the, the thing is, is they, they are men and women, very few women without a party. Because they're no longer Republicans. They don't identify. They were on 60 Minutes the other night and they were taught, you know, they were asked about Bernie. And, you know, Steve Schmidt specifically hmm. said, look, I will argue all day long. Uh, Bernie and I would argue all day long about policy, but he is a patriot. He, you know, he, mm -hmm. he they would have voted for him, in other words. So, you know, I think right now, I don't know what's going to happen with the Lincoln Project after the election. But, you know, I mean, like my, right. boy, my That's boyfriend. That's a very interesting thing, right? Yeah. And what my boyfriend. Going to be the legacy of that, and my boyfriend. Where is it going to go? Is yeah. it going to be a permanent centrist propaganda campaign? Well, and you know, I mean, right now it's just a negative ads against Trump, right? right. That's all it is, right? Right. And and, and so, but the the one thing that the Democratic Party lacks—not the one thing, but one of the very important things that the Democratic Party lacks—is the ability to fight in a way that goes for the jugular, but does it doesn't involve cheating. Like we, it's like you said, we, we need better strategy when it comes, you know, we, we failed. I just think that the, the leadership came. is actually just dry rot in Democrats. <laughs> I mean, look at AOC, look at the new Democrats. Yeah. Look at Jamal Bauman. Look at, um, you know, uh, Rashida Tlaib. Look at, look at these well, amazing people. I wouldn't people, go as far as you as saying dry rot. The, who are the contents of the country right now. Well, right. yeah, and I like they it. They are, but like and now, and look at how fresh and innovative, but interesting, and, and out there they are, and how digitally savvy they are, and how powerful those. Yeah, I, I no. And doubt. then look at Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer, who've been running in safe Democratic districts for their entire careers. And who never, ever, ever have to invent a damn thing. Well, I will say it's this. I will say they, it's what Steve Martin says in Pennies from Heaven. Dry rot. It's dry <laughs> rot between the ears. That's who those people are. They are disgusting. They're petty. They care more about their jawline and their hairline and their refrigerator than they do about the American people. Chuck Schumer is one of the most irritating and irritable and annoying, non-inventive, standard issue, you know, central casting, Wall Street Democrat hatchet men, no charisma, no brilliance, no invention, no leadership. Well, I, I will. I just want to say, I stop ACB. I agree. I agree. Crap. Schumer is not. I, I'm not primary. a big fan of Schumer, and I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to take the same angle with you on Pelosi, but well, I, I understand what you're saying. But I think I'm from New York. No, I, so, I, I get but it. But the truth about Nancy Pelosi, how out of touch do you have to be in the middle of a pandemic? Stand in front where poor people are being sent out into the disease to die. 
stand in front of your three, your two freezers and talk about how much you love ice cream. This is ridiculous. No, and I, this I is agree. not leadership. This is a, this is what are we watching the Martha Stewart show? I'm sorry. That was disgusting. And it's unfortunate that you, you know, we haven't had an AOC like, you know, when I mean, we have Shahid uh, Buttar, who I had on my program, who's primarying her. Um, who's smart and who's savvy. And, um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I don't understand. That's the problem. Well, the see, problem here's the key right now. Wait, Democratic districts have never been challenged at all, and they have no new ideas, and they've been right. powerful for okay. years and years. So how, okay, here's the deal. We have this party, and whether or not people from the Lincoln Project become a part of our party, because right now they're not, they are independents, and they are working to get Joe Biden uh, hired. I don't know where they're going to go yeah. once this election yeah. is over, and maybe well, they're, I do. They're, I but they're but the go. idea is, okay. So we've got. I mean, I I'm not a big fan of Chuck Schumer, and it and you know, I mean, I've I've definitely appreciated some of what Nancy Pelosi's done, and I've criticized other things, what she, you know, with what she's done. But the whole point here is that we're going to be moving into a very delicate area. Uh, we are going to be, yeah. you know, not only do we have 2022 coming up because there's an election cycle all the fucking time. Now. But 2024, more than likely, we're going to have a black Democratic woman as the candidate. And we're going to have to fight whatever the fucking Republican Party has developed no, that's a really into. Good point. In order to win, it's like, I, you know, you recognize that Joe Biden is somebody that can be pushed. And you understand why, mm -hmm. even though I'm sure he was, not, he was not your first choice, he was not many people's first choice. But, he, but it is what it is. And he's the candidate. So this is what we've got. Mm -hmm. How are oh, we? How are we with the progressives in the party? If we're gonna like, let's say we, you know, my boyfriend Bob Suska is always he's a political writer and he's talking about there is an opportunity where now because of Trump, the Democratic Party could open up and become a sixty percent majority, which would guarantee Democratic wins. But what that would mean is that. People like you and people who are pro Nancy Pelosi, we all have to figure out how to get this shit done so we don't get a smart Trump in 2024. And that's well, that's my I mean, I think concern. Trump is a singular phenomenon. I think Trump is practically a, an autistic savant when it comes to politics. I agree. He has some kind of unbelievable instinct that. And I apologize if there's noise going on. We do have a hurricane coming. I know. Over, so there's, there's some preparation. <laughs> yes, I understand. In the background. <laughs> just bear that in mind. Um, as you're, as, if you hear a little noise coming, this, playing that, just understand that you should really vote for Joe Biden to stop this climate <laughs> yes. change insanity. Every time you hear a little shifty thing, realize that. That is your cue, yes. Clanging like the ghost of Christmas future. So here's, here's what I'm trying to say, though, is that um, – we 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 need action mm -hmm. as well as we need because the thing about it is like we had Obama in office and for eight years this was a, 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 a um, an incredible unbelievable disappointment we had an enorm we had a Democratic Congress Democratic Senate and the centrists in the party derailed the public option derailed any action on fracking derailed uh, any action on climate and led us to a place where, uh, like you're saying, the Republican propaganda machine just walked all over everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that you, you, we have to fight fire with fire, but the bottom line is that um, 
unless there is, we are so many crises taking root in America right now that we need bold leadership to push through an agenda. Um, and I see that leadership actually, I see leadership being the key, right? I, I think if we had a strong leader in the Senate who could articulate why it was a, a, a terrible thing for uh, uh, ACB to be confirmed, I think the real reason why they let that go was because um, there was some kind of backroom deal uh, with Mitch McConnell about transition of power, you know? Uh, whether or not the Republicans would support getting rid of Trump if he loses the election, when it seems like he's going to lose, right? Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of – politics is never what they say on the surface. Right. It's always what's going on in the back room mm -hmm. that they didn't bother, they didn't want to tell you about, right. right? And so for me, like this horse trading mentality, it was, if you don't have strong leadership, there is no card to play, which is, well, I'm going to the media and I'm going to go trounce you. Which is the card that AOC plays, which is the card that Bernie plays, which is the card that strong leadership can play when you actually have people enthusiastically supporting you. Which is, by the way, the Trump card all mm -hmm. the time. Yes. Right? Um, because he'll say, you don't like what I have to do? All right, I'm going to call the Proud Boys out into the street. Right. And they're going to start shooting people. That scares people. Mm -hmm. You know, and what I'm trying to say is that, like, you know, where was the inventiveness – like that we just described in the beginning of this conversation that we need to have in the movement to, to get our political objectives across. Where was that among the democratic leadership when it was time to stop Amy Coney Barrett, who is a member of the cult of handmaid's tale. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about the ERA that that's not going to happen with Amy Coney Barrett. She's going to repeal gay marriage. She's going to repeal Obamacare. Like, complete and utter disaster. We need people who are going to get out there and say, we're going to pack the court and Joe Biden has to listen. So see, I am all for Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris was a ban fracking candidate. I, uh, she's walked that position back obviously because she's with Joe Biden. But the bottom line is like, I, I is going to be a two term president. I think he's too old. Mm -hmm. I think this is a four year deal. I think they're going to figure something out. But bold, strong leadership, people who know how to deal with this, um, is what's needed. And that's why I'm saying, in addition to our laundry list of things to fight for in, in the progressive movement, it's also primary Chuck Schumer, primary these people who are talking about ice cream during a pandemic. Okay, and, are, I, and I get that, but then how saying, do we... Who are not getting in the way of ACB when every single person in the world wants them to take real action. And, and I get that, but then... My question is, and my concern is, how, uh, I mean, obviously you're a leader, you are a activist leader, you have all kinds of power with your platform and with your ideas and words, and you have connections to important people. And I think one of the things that we really need to get straight in our party, and I don't think that we've got it straight because we've also got this, you know, Russian attack where, where yeah. there's disinformation, at least we understand it better now, and we understand understand the kinds of things that they were doing in 2016 and we're kind of more savvy to when a bot comes on or, you know, we're like, Hey, we recognize this now. So I think there's, I think that, uh, has, well, they'll change their bots. So yeah. We well, they're going to, they're be, they're more sophisticated, but the <laughs> whole idea, the, but sorry, the, go ahead. the whole idea though, is I think people like you, maybe people like me, I don't have such a big platform, but I think that it's a discussion that can lead is how can we make sure and guarantee that even though, you know, because let's look at 2020, there, there's not, 
it's not like the Democratic Party is all of a sudden going to become a progressive utopia. And so, you know, I mean, as much as I would like it to be that way, I realize that's not what's going to happen. So, I mean, like, you know, granted, you and I are both going, okay, well, we understand that we we want this progressive utopia, but the only path to get there right now is through these particular candidates and then this is what I think. I no, I, I think agree we with you. need Paul, we I'm need to I think the one thing that Democrats fail to do and they did this with Obama um, is so many Democrats took for granted that we had a black American president and they thought that's all we needed and they didn't show up and they didn't vote and you know what I think another way we could have avoided Amy Coney Barrett is if Democrats consistently voted in every single election, we might have been able to keep the Senate. And I can't predict what would have happened with Trump and all of that, but we might have been able... The Senate is the most important conversation And so, And there are, um, even though that's an election that happens every six years, there are elections every year. And like you said, the Green Party shows up every four years, and that's why they're not getting anywhere. And so there are too many voters who do the same thing. But hold on just a second. So I think strategy in terms of of the Senate is very important, right? We're talking about strategy. We should be talking about how to make um, Washington, D.C. a state, mm-hmm. how to make uh, Puerto Rico a state if yes. they want to be a state, how to make the or the Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, right? Um, and maybe even possibly breaking California up into two states. Hmm. You know, I mean, weirder things have happened. <laughs> um, but definitely statehood for D.C., right? That's mm-hmm. two more... Yes. Senators yeah. who are going to be blue, right. who are going to be progressive, probably, right. right? And you, you know, so that 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 is strategy, or perhaps, um, you know, there there are other ways to, to look at that, but definitely Puerto Rico and and and, and uh, DC mm-hmm. would help a lot. That would tip the balance forever. Also, um, really, really, really taking a lesson on what's happening right now in Texas. Yes. What's happening in Texas is mm-hmm. that the oil industry has worn out their welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Republicans are, are not super popular there anymore. And we're talking about an opportunity, but it would mean that we can't start campaigning against fracking. Right. That's an, those are Senate um, strategies mm-hmm. in my book. But you've got to understand that the minute the Lincoln Project gets rid of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. the Lincoln Project becomes the propaganda industry for the oil industry, for the frackers. For Wall Street, for corporations, for Big Pharma. That's well, what the Lincoln there, there was just an article that came out. I think it was in Axios, but it just came out. Basically, they are uh, they're working with a big Hollywood agency, and they're just basically about putting out. It's like you were saying before these videos. And and what I what agency are they working with? It's UTA, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, well. <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm take I have maintained out this entire time. You know, I mean, I, I look at somebody like Rick Wilson, who has when I've debated with him on Twitter, I'll comment under his post and then he quote tweets me and takes me to the fucking he, he, he like rips me apart. And so I, I'm not a big fan. I will. Yeah. I said, I, you know, like I've maintained that I will support their effort in this particular you know, situation with Trump. But I do want to go back to, I think that, yes, Trump is an anomaly. I I totally agree with you. Um, And he has a certain, unfortunately, he has a certain charisma that many politicians don't have. But 
there could be the smarter version of him. I mean, I look at somebody like Dick Cheney. I look at, you know, George Bush, and I feel like George Bush was just kind of like this idiot who didn't understand what was going on, and he was yeah. he was being told where to go and what to do by Rove and Cheney, and they were the fucking evildoers. But I think that I don't know what is going to happen. Trump is just too unruly for, to handle, to, for any of those guys to handle. Yeah, but I mean, what's going to happen they all when quit. he's gone? And then they're going to have to put somebody else up. Are they going to put up a Nikki Haley? Are they going to go back to a Mitt Romney type of guy? Are they going to come up with somebody like, um, you know, uh, people are talking about, oh, I forget his name, Tom Cotton, that maybe they would put up somebody like Tom yeah. Cotton. I don't know who they're going to put I up. I don't buy it. But, I mean, I just don't know. But I, I mean, look, we can't think that far out. All I'm saying, I, I can't think that far out. Like, or the Republicans going to run in 2020. Well, I'm, I think my like, point I, I is that we know. have to be, um, we do have to think that far out, though, because we didn't think that far out with a Trump. We, we kind of well, saw what, it what, Trump I, I guess, coming. I guess what I'm saying, though, in my opinion, is that, like, when we are building our, uh, the progressive movement in the next four years, hope to God that Joe Biden wins, mm-hmm. right? That's number one. Number one, Absolutely have to, because otherwise the way I put this in a recent video was that, you know, when the Democrats are in office, the progressives go on offense. When the when the Republicans are in office, we all have to go on defense. Mm -hmm. Right. Defense means the the Republicans invent catastrophes for us to fight. Yes. Right. The Iraq war, for example, fracking. For another example, mm-hmm. the coronavirus wasn't invented by the Republicans, but this is the most in- unbelievably yes. craven and incompetent. I mean, they, they, at this point, we have to understand, and it's a very difficult conclusion to come to, that Donald Trump is using the virus, that the mm-hmm. 1% is bankrupting the nation mm-hmm. in the same way that they used the Great Depression to bankrupt the nation and buy up everything that they could and further consolidate their wealth. And the, the real fight will be, um, as we go into this next part of the century, against the oligarchy. Mm-hmm. That's yes, where I the agree. fight is going to be. And those oligarchs are going to be Republicans, they're going to be Democrats, and then there are going to be those people who are now, who are amazingly and surprisingly gaining traction in both the media and, and in the government that are not the oligarchy. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's going to get redefined. I don't think it's going to be like the smear merchants are working for like you know the people's party like people like nico house and these you know kind of folks who are just like green party you know i don't think it's going to be those people Hmm. i think it's going to be the people who are currently trying to take over the democratic party Mm -hmm. i would like to see aoc primary chuck schumer Hmm. i would like to see that yeah me too and i think she's positioned to do it Mm -hmm. and i do think that you know I, i would like to see the non oligarchic representatives who actually have a sense and understanding of where America is at right now. Mm -hmm. You know, America is suffering. People are suffering. They don't have jobs. They don't have a safety net. They don't have health care. They're dying of a pandemic. They're losing their homes. There's endemic racism. It's a disastrous time Mm -hmm. to be an American right now. And we have to have people who understand that in order to get policies that address that. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And I think that it's extremely important moving forward. People like you who have such a big platform can, you know, how can I say this? And I don't want to, 
I don't want to say this wrong. Um, first of all, I think what we need to do is encourage people to vote in every election because that's yeah. Democratic well, voters. I think the Democratic Party could do a much better job at motivating voters. I mean, yeah. Barack Obama understood how to get all kinds of especially young people engaged. Right now, young people are engaged because they don't like Trump. But at the time, they were engaged because they did like Obama. He inspired mm-hmm. them. And so I, I wish that there, you know, I mean, I've, and, and I'm just going to run this by you for whatever it's worth. But I, I've, yeah. I've often wished that the Democratic Party somehow could like set aside some funds for whether, you know, I mean, back in the day, I don't know how old you are. I'm 52 years old, but I was, you know, raised on the schoolhouse rock and the mm-hmm. bill, you know, I'm just a well, bill on Capitol Hill. <laughs> and, you know, but I think one of the things they could do, especially there's so, there's so much they could do with social media, but like if somehow they could involve, you know, celebrities and children explaining how the government works, just something that would be fun for both <laughs> young and old. Like and, the bill, uh, the guy yeah. who, yeah. And well, I mean, and I, mean, as, as there, he, I think there was a takeoff on like I'm just a bill you know that that whole um, yeah. the bill uh, advertisement and it was like how I how I become a law and all that yeah. and there was this wonderful like you know kind of Pollyannish kids version and they somebody updated that and they made it all about how lobbyists <laughs> take over <laughs> immediately. But like back in the day, it was like I was a bill because a farmer decided that he right. needed more cows. And, and now it's like. I'm just a bill. I was born in a K Street lobbying firm, and there are 15 different corporations that pay me all this money to write these particular sentences, and we're gonna, ha- you know, haggle it out yeah. in horse trades. And it's all, and you know, and it was like all about the oligarchy. I mean, like, right. um, well, but but in the 2014, is- the Princeton, Princeton University uh, came out with a study, um, and the, it was the question was apropos of nothing. What form of government does America actually have? They kind of wanted to know. Mm-hmm. They were like, let's just find out. You know, like, mm-hmm. let's just ask this question. Let's not assume anything. And they, they came back. They looked at all these policy questions. They saw that 80% of people want action on climate change and 85% of people want basic gun control and 90% of people want to raise in the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And then they looked at how people voted based on that. <laughs> and they looked at how their representatives operated. And lo and behold, the representatives did nothing that their constituents mm-hmm. thought they were voting for and did everything that the oligarchs and corporations wanted them mm-hmm. to. So they came, Princeton University came back with results that said, lo and behold, America is an oligarchy. It's mm-hmm. not a democracy. Of course, they were very proud of that fact because most of those oligarchs went to Princeton. <laughs> the other ones went to Harvard. But, you know, the idea that we are in a democracy that is functioning is one of those things that um, – I mean, look, Republicans have won the, they have not, they've won the popular vote right. in one election in the yeah. last 28 years. And that probably doesn't even count because of the fact that the guy who was in office at the time lost the popular vote in the previous election, mm-hmm. right? Like we have been living in a system that's not democratic right. for my entire life, yeah. especially my entire voting life, mm-hmm. right? And change if we want to see these things addressed. And and I think, so to, to me, I agree with the people who are saying you have to take on the oligarchy, the Democrats and the Republicans. But I also know that there is a rising movement within the Democratic Party, which I think, which I very much support, um, which I don't think is getting bought off or weakened or softened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That is there. And I would like to see that 
be a priority for us to continue to push because I think there's a lot of activists out there. And I, I don't know if I have such a big platform. I think I talk and I try to talk to a lot of activists because I, I, we, we work together on the front lines. I think there are a lot of activists out there that are thinking about making that transition to being a candidate. And I'm watching that be really successful. In See, a lot and of that's cases, what we, and that's what we do, do need. That. And I think I think the other thing is that we I think it's just I mean, I think you do have a big flat platform in that you are a documentary filmmaker. You, mm. you, you have a decent following on Twitter and sure. you have you have influential, you, you know, you're influential. So you can talk to people who matter. You, you know, you talk to Bernie Sanders. It mattered. So it, it you know, and the fact, you know, I mean, I will say this, that, you know, I introduced Alyssa Milano to the Equal Rights Amendment and then. Joe Biden put the Equal Rights Amendment on right. his campaign plat- platform, and I asked her, "Did you talk to him about that?" And she said, "Yes." So, I yeah, mean, yeah, true. I mean, it's like, and, and I'm just a person with a podcast. I, I don't make big films. <laughs> I, I don't have huge following. So, I, you know, we all can do our part. But I, but I want to just say that I think the most important thing for somebody like you, or even somebody like me, to do is to remind all the voters, whether you're, you know, whatever you identify as as a Democrat, that we. Have have to we have to elect we have to go to those elections every year it's not every four years and it's not just every two years because my biggest fear right now is that people are going to view this as a finish line as opposed to just getting the work started and there is this big tent party that has been created because of donald trump and there may be more people in it now which is going to mean there's going to be more centrists and there's going to be more progressives and the the progressives and centrists have to figure out a way to not be at odds because because what I see is, you know, people at odds. I don't, I don't mind you know, criticizing the party, but a, I don't want I to attack you, it. All, I have to say that's a really, uh, I think, very, very astute and important assessment, of course, you know. Um, and I will say that I've seen evidence of this, right? I, I really have, but I've only seen evidence of it when it's coming from the goodwill in, uh, enthusiasm perspective, right? Like, so, you know, those four women... I, I believe Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ilhan Omar, AOC, elected during a midterm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Garnered huge enthusiasm mm-hmm. because they were leaders and they were they were different. They were a different ilk, right? Non oligarchic, um, mm-hmm. and I think they were making a transition from being activists to being people in Congress. Mm-hmm. And they're making a great sacrifice to do that, right? Yeah. It's not fun or easy to right. live in Washington, D.C. It is just not. It's a huge, huge job, 90-hour-a-week job. These yeah. people are out there trying their best, right? So it's a big jump and a big deal. Um, but I think that that is one of the keys right, to what you're saying, which is to not make the midterms, you know, like a ho-hum kind of a thing, mm-hmm. but to, to which often it can be, right? But to garner incredible enthusiasm. Mm-hmm by having real leadership and real a different kind of leadership. And I think I'm starting to see that. And that's very exciting. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why I love Bernie, because he started our revolution. And our revolution was this idea that we can create a can we can have a platform for candidates that are progressive. And these are the the issues that we're going to try to bring to the fore, right? Mm-hmm. A ban on fracking, climate real climate change action, Medicare for all, uh, raising the minimum wage, criminal justice reform, uh, which includes legalization of marijuana, mm-hmm. et, et cetera. Right? Those issues were embraced by that class of people because they understood how important that was for their communities mm-hmm. and how important that was to address the basic fundamental principle, yeah. which is behind all of them, which is justice, right? The Green New Deal is not about solar panels and wind turbines. It is, but it's really about justice. It's mm-hmm. about justice for frontline communities. 
It's about justice for people who've been suffering at the hands of the polluters in the oil industry and the fossil fuel industry, and, and also at the brink and the brunt of climate change, right? So the the I guess what I'm trying to say is that the enthusiasm that you're seeking, I think, will also not just come from the voters, but also from those who are going to be bold enough to run for office, which I think is, you know, part of that equation, right? Yeah. You can't, we're not going to see a huge enthusiasm for the next Chuck Schumer, <laughs> you know. Well, no, I mean, I think, I think you, you know, one person you're, you're not mentioning is, next, is uh, Katie, Katie Porter. I think Katie Porter is Katie awesome. Katie Porter is amazing. Yeah. I love Katie Porter. So, I mean, I'd yeah, love to sure. see more people. And I think we're going to be seeing more, like you were saying, there's going to be more people who are younger and who have a, mm -hmm. a different perspective and have experienced, you know, they're not millionaires and they haven't, they've, they've struggled. She's, a, she's the only single mother in Congress. So she's got that perspective. And so, yeah. I, you know, I mean, in closing, I know you got to go and prepare for this hurricane, but I, I just, <laughs> well, I just want yeah, to, you know, I'm, it's nice to forget about it. For <laughs> I, I'm very hopeful because I think that there is an opportunity here. And, you know, one of the things I just want to go back to real quick, you know, like if there were some kind of ongoing effort by the Democratic Party or people who could access, you know, have access to the Democratic Party and then on their own, you know, make some kind of, whether it was like, you know, a kid and a celebrity, because like, I did not know when I was younger and I was not paying attention to politics, I maintain this all the time. If I would have understood that the Senate is, is who voted on a Supreme Court justice nominee, and what the importance mm -hmm. of the Supreme Court meant, because when I was 22, I didn't give a shit. I, I didn't care. And I wasn't paying attention. If somebody mm. would have sat down and said, hey, Kimberly, this is how it works. And this is how mm. it's going to affect you. I would have automatically become political and engaged. And, mm. and so and, and, and I think part of the reason that young people aren't engaged and have this whole, you know, oh, both parties are the same and they're both full of shit. It's because mm. they don't uh, they, they, we don't teach civics anymore. There's not an active campaign mm. to explain a the benefit of the Democratic Party and how how the government works in the first place. So it's like I would love to see projects with artistic people you know meeting up with democrats and figuring out a way to make it fun and uh, you know trump has given us a, an education a lot of us an education mm. in government that we didn't understand how things work before because he fucked he you know he fucked us and we're like oh it works that way so the more the more <laughs> we is, understand that is also Mitch McConnell <laughs> yes same but it's like the more we understand how government works and we feel that we have a stake in it there's more mm. likely that we're going to show up and vote. And so, you know, that's where I think people like you, um, people with big platforms can come in who have access to people in the Democratic Party because people just don't understand how government works. And if we did, mm. and, and making it personal, because you can talk mm. all day long about big oil, but the person who is not voting right now or not giving a shit is just worried about, like you said, you know, paying their bills, getting food on the table. But when it's mm -hmm. pointed out, you can't afford the food because A, B, and C, and blah, 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 they start going, oh, they put it together, but they're not putting it together. And so anyway, I just, I think that there is an opportunity here. And I really hope that the people within the Democratic Party on, you know, on both sides, the, mm -hmm. the, not the people who are unreasonable, but people like you, the progressive people like you, and then, and then, you know, the other ones who are more, you know, left, center left, we got to figure it out because 20, and 2024 is going to happen a lot faster than we realize. And we're going to be in a unique sure. position because there's going to be a black woman 
representing this party. And this is a racist and uh, sexist nation. And so we're well, going to be up against If I can add lot. to that, just I think that my priority, and I'm talking about um, as I, 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 you know, during coronavirus, I started this show called Staying Home with Josh Fox, <laughs> which was about staying home and being safe. Yeah. the coronavirus, right? It started on March 16th um, with about 50 of my friends watching on Instagram. And now it's on TYB and it has, you know, it, it, um, it was getting 250,000 views a night um, wow. about three weeks ago. And then Facebook <laughs> changed their algorithm. Of course. Yeah. And now we get a tenth of that. Of course. So that's a huge Facebook. issue, yeah. right? They deliberately dialed back all progressive media. Um, so we have to recalibrate recal- and yeah. re figure out how we're reaching out to people. But we're, you know, we're reaching a couple hundred thousand people a night with progressive conversations about the Green New Deal. Um, and I guess my my, um, uh, my 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 point is that we are going to have to have a lot of types of communication. Again, I think you're saying you want to see these advertisements that are highlighting the government, I think that's really true. I think there have to be, Mm -hmm. and I go back to what I said before, we have to be relentless and we have to be inventive, right? The idea that we have to have talk shows, we have to have explainers, we have to have short videos, we have to have feature films, we have to have uh, teach-ins, we have to have sit-downs, we have to treat this like the emergency that it is, Mm -hmm. that we're doing that, like the show came out because um, uh, Our Revolution uh, New Orleans asked me to start doing teach-ins about the Green New Deal. Mm And I was doing them and I was going to do them all across PA in New York in advance of the primaries in April. And then coronavirus shut us down. I said, all right, well, I'm going to start taking it on online. And, I'll, and instead of it being a teach-in, I'll do it as a talk show, whatever. Like, but the point is that um, what I'm really trying to get at is I think my emphasis over the next however long it is, and I hope that this is within a Biden administration, mm-hmm. is gonna, and I think this is where you're coming from and where you were starting from, is on healing these divides. Yes. yes. Because the bottom line is we have had four years of emotional damage, yeah. deep trauma, mm-hmm. deep emotional trauma done to our country. And it goes and it and it, it goes both ways, right? We have white supremacists who are heavily armed, mm-hmm. who are poor, who feel angry and emotional and they feel like they're owed something. Yeah. This is exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. You had the Freikorps, who was the disenfranchised soldiers from World War One, who never disbanded, who were told that they lost the war to France and England, and they created the SS. And now you're seeing these poor uh, white people who mm-hmm. are suffering from, um, uh, you know, uh, poverty yeah. and ignorance and lack of attention um, and and uh, opioid epidemic, um, and they are get, you know taking refuge mm-hmm. in racism and in hatred, mm-hmm. and that's going to be that's a psychological damage that is has to be undone mm-hmm. somehow. And at the same time, you have on the other side of that, every thinking person in America who's not an authoritarian has suffered <laughs> an incredible damage mm-hmm. to our uh, national psyche. Yeah because of Trump and because of these racists and because of these white supremacists. And you, on, t- on top of that, you have one of the most racist regimes in the in history, and you're seeing how the police are actually the slave patrol. Yeah. We're seeing how the brutality really works. We're seeing that this whole system has been racist forever, mm-hmm. and 
um, a lot of white people are waking up to the fact that this is how it's been mm-hmm. for yeah. a very, very long time uh, for the entire history of this country. Yeah. And that those are fundamental problems, fundamental flaws. And they not, they, they're not going to get w- better by trying to vanquish the other party. I mean, we can vanquish. I mean, we have to have a defunding of the police. We have to have a fundamental reform of the police. We have to have all the things. Um, because the police, when you get arrested and they want to charge you with a felony, there's a big book in the back of the precinct with a thousand felonies. Yeah. And they don't tell you what you're charged with until they look through the book and go, oh, we, this one sort of fits. And that yeah. one sort of fits. And it's cool. This one is all right. And those things, they, they can like sentence you years of your life away. Yeah. Just sitting there in the two hours between when you were thrown in the cell and when you were charged. And that is an insanely racist and corrupt system. Yeah. That has to be dismantled. And so we're talking about fundamental inequities in America mm-hmm. and fundamental hatred, fundamental fe- bad, bad, bad feelings, right? So somehow, I, I don't know how do we do this, but I would, I would put a call out to, um, you know, to, to the organizers and to the creators and to the, the people who can, can speak and the storytellers that we do need stories of healing and we need examples of healing. We also need um, uh, the, the, to understand that the truth is one of those things that has to be healed mm-hmm. because we've been taught, we've been destroying the yes. truth for four years or, or longer than yeah. that. And Facebook and Twitter are part of that yes, problem. Yes, they are. Um, that, that we're, we're, I mean, I was, uh, Sam Hernandez who's a, a wonderful, uh, activist and, and ran for Congress in Texas. And I had a little skirmish on Twitter, um, you know, over the green party. And it seemed just because of the nature of the way tweets work that we hated each other. And I wrote her a DM. I said, listen, why are we fighting on Twitter? Mm-hmm. And she wrote me back. She said, I have nothing but love for you. <laughs> I said, I have nothing but love for you too. But you would never know that. Right. Um, on Twitter because it's the format. And then all of a sudden, of course, all of these bots yes. start chiming in and yeah. ca- calling me a sellout, telling me that I'm voting for the oligarchy. I mean, it's just like, yeah. and just because we were trying to have a rational conversation, we have to find new That's platforms. That's it. That well is it. New forms, you know, I mean, you know? and before I go, I'll just say, you know, I mean, as I transitioned over into voting for Hillary Clinton last time, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was a Bernie supporter that literally cried. I cried yeah. when uh, he lost and, you know, and, 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 and I transitioned and then I had to deal with a lot. And they were real people because they were on my Facebook page, real people. And, and I'll say a lot of men who were very angry at me for doing this. And, and I, mm. I understood that they were upset. I got it. You know, I understood why they were upset and I would try and th- you know, it was after the election, there was one man in particular that I know, and this happened with more than one, but this one stands out, but this was kind of the typical experience that I went through where uh-huh. after the election, um, you know, Trump won and everything. And, and they, they kept wanting to rehash what Hillary did wrong and all of that. And, and I kept pointing out that we needed to move forward. And so it got to the point where they got so upset with me and I I swear to God I tried to just be measured and fair and calm I didn't want to be hateful I didn't want to get in but they would push me to a point and I knew it I started sensing this behavior because it was it would repeat itself and I would wind up blocking them and then they would find my fucking email and tell me how disappointed (laughs) they were in me and you know and it's like oh my god you know look I 
I like the fucking platform that Bernie put forward. I am for it, but I understand right now that we have all these fish to fry. And right then, it was at the beginning of a Trump administration, and and that's what I want to heal. I want it to be so that yeah. you know, I mean, and my cousin well, who is a young, he's in his thirties, he's a Bernie supporter, and he just voted for Biden, and I'm really grateful. But I think part of the reason that he felt motivated to vote for Biden was because of he saw these last four years, and he wrecked. I don't know if he voted for Hillary. He might have, but I just feel like people who are younger need to understand what's at stake and that vote, you know, as much as we want that perfect government, we're going to get what we get, but we're only going to get a better government when we stay on these people all year and we don't wait until it's exhausting too it's hard to do it is and it's a lot harder to do than just sniping at each other on twitter right yeah exactly it's, <laughs> like it's the thing about doing yeah. twitter is and, and social media in general is it's it's addictive it's hard to get off of it and yeah. you feel like if you do get off of it you're missing out or something is you know you're not seeing something or whatever you yeah. know and it's just it's rough you know it's like yeah. one of those it is. it's hard moments where you don't know um like what's reality anymore. But I think when we talk, if one thing that's interesting to me about Biden, um, which I think is a positive is that he is a person who's gone through great suffering. Yes. I mean, really immeasurable suffering. Right. If you can imagine. And in two different instances, his, mm-hmm. his wife and child killed in a car accident mm-hmm. and his son died of brain cancer. Right. And he's, got a, a level of compassion for people that is, I think, extremely important. And he also understands the idea of healing. Mm-hmm. And so right. part and of me point. at yeah. this moment, even though I'm not the type of person who's normally like, yes, reach out to Republicans. Because normally I'm just like, no, no, just beat right. them. Right. right. We're the majority. Just yes. beat them. They're yeah. corrupt the system. Right. And they're of the party of racism and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But right now I'm in a different position, actually. I'm thinking to myself. You know, Biden is a person who can actually reach out and be a healing person. And I would like to see that. I think that he's got a greater ability to heal Mm -hmm. than a person like Bernie did. I think he has a greater ability to heal than a person like Elizabeth Warren did. Because I think often yeah, that, that the, their presence is, is divisive because they're so passionate. And, and, and in the same way that I feel I'm divisive and I like being divisive, right? <laughs> but I also understand that that to heal is to not be divisive. Mm-hmm. And to heal is to try to find compromise. Right. Even though compromise right now is like a, a dirty word, I do think that there is something that this nation has had such suffering at, at the hands of the fascists, the racists, the warmongers, um, and Donald Trump, that we do need a healing figure. And I think Bernie, Bernie actually is terrific at that. I think any of people could have played that role. Oh, you're dropping out. Right. In terms of oh. Biden is, is the possibility of him being a healing person. I, I'm, I'm hopeful about that because, and I think that's a really good point that, that his loss uh, can play a big role. and I, But I will add, and this is the last thing I'll say, that I think that um, really the compromise that I'm the most interested in right now is within our own party. I think that, you know, we've got, whether it's Russian or Republican or whatever, you know, whatever adversarial group is against Democrats, I think they are working on social media to 
continue that divide. And so it's, oh, it's oh, very no important. Question. Yeah, it's very and important. Actually, there's a, I'm actually interviewing Jeff Orlovsky later today, who's the guy who made the film The Social Dilemma. And The Social Dilemma on Netflix is really great that it shows that what what the product of social media is, is divisiveness. Mm-hmm. Yes, it That's is. That's what it's about. Yes, it is. Because the more, see, this is really wild, right? So back few years back when I was really starting to track social media and it was like they were serving up to people exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Right. They wanted to see what they wanted to see. And that would, that, that kept them there. Right. It kept them coming back. Cause if you liked Democrats, they gave you stuff from Democrats. If you liked Republicans, they gave you stuff from right. Republicans. Right? right. Slowly over the course of this last, I don't know, period, I don't know how you define it a year or two years, whatever. They've been torquing it to do the opposite. Hmm. So that they give you stuff that makes you mad. Because they figured out if you're mad and you fight with people on the platform, you stay on the platform longer. Hmm. Which is helps their bottom line. Right. So it's the equivalent of the Jerry Springer show, right? Yes. We want people to throw chairs. (laughs) We don't we want to devalue the idea that conversation is even possible. Yeah. You could create a social media channel that was based on uh, healing and people talking to each other, right? You, You could do that. Right. Mm-hmm. You could not create, you know, right now we have likes and and that creates endorphins and value. Mm-hmm. What if you couldn't create a like <laughs> until you and a person who you were fighting with actually agreed? Right. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like yeah. there are ways that you could create this that aren't the total disaster of divisiveness that social media is now. <laughs> and so without question what you're saying, Russian bots, and not just Russian bots, but Republican bots. That's what I said, yeah, and Russian and GOP. It's and not... pro-fracking yes. bots, and pro-Wall Street bots. Right. And there's bots for everything now. Exactly. Yeah, in any fact, group, right. 60%, 60% of internet traffic or more, in, in terms of the last count, is now bots. Wow. Machines talking to machines. There are more bot views on YouTube than human views. Wow. That's happened. That We crossed that threshold I think um, recently, hmm. but it's, but yes, we've been waiting for it. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> uh, AI is talking to AI <laughs> and figuring out how to make us all nuts. Yeah. We have to, start, so, so you're absolutely right. If our politics are divisive, those device, the divisions are going to be made worse yeah. by the technology. We, we have to start to figure that out. Yeah. So I would encourage people to watch that movie. Actually, it's a, yeah, it's a really I know. Good movie. I'm, I'm, and, I'm and, to, and to read my book, The Truth Has Changed. The truth uh, has about, changed. Which is about the same subject from a personal standpoint. Okay. Well, it's been great talking to you. I appreciate your been. point of view, and um, I, you know, I, I basically see the the world in the same way with maybe a few slight differences but overall <laughs> that's just humanity right you know we all well, like, we, I agree we all with you to, I agree with your yeah with your overview uh, worldview but anyway it was it was good having this conversation I'm glad you Thank were on the show I'm 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 definitely happy for your contributions um, with all your documentaries and um, it was just a good conversation so before you go why don't you tell everybody where they can find you. Well, there's lots of places. Um, so my show, uh, which is on Monday through Friday at 4.30 um, Eastern, so 3.30 Central and I just got back to Central. So 1.30 Pacific is on TYT on all their live platforms, which is TYT Live and I think Twitch and on Facebook and also on all my Facebook pages, which include 
the Gaslight in the Movie page, the Josh Fox page, the How to Let Go of the World and Love All Things Climate Can't Change page, the Climate Revolution page, <laughs> um, the Awake, A Dream from Standing Rock page. It's all on all those pages okay. uh, every day at 4.30. And you can watch the entire archive of over 150 episodes wow. with people uh, who – everyone from – uh, Reverend Barber to John Dean to to Corey Bush to um, Jolie Holland, uh, great musicians. Great uh, every every Friday night we have a New Orleans show, which has a song of the week from New Orleans jazz banjo legend Don Vappi, and uh, a cocktail, stay at home cocktail of the week from Arnold's <laughs> French Seventy Five. Uh, we can learn how to great great create great cocktails while you're <laughs> staying at home instead of going out to a bar and getting coronavirus. There you and go. <laughs> so so we we have fun, um, and that there there's that is on the TYT website as well. Um, and all my films right now, except for Gasland Part 2, which is on HBO and it will be owned by them forever because they own it. Um, all of my other movies, including Gasland, How to Let Go of the World, Awake, A Dream from Standing Rock, um, Gaswork, and other shorts uh, are up at my website, joshfoxfilm.com, and they're free. Awesome. We put them all up for free because we knew people needed stuff to watch while they're at home. Yes. At home. Um, so they're all there for free. Watch them up. Uh, How to Let Go is a great film about climate change. And, um, and we have a new, I have a new film coming out very soon um, that I've been working on uh, in isolation for the last six months, kind of a secret project. Um, so stay tuned for that. I don't have a title for it yet, but, w- but watch out for that. Um, and, of course, on Twitter, I'm Josh Fox Film. On Instagram, I'm Josh Fox Film. Um, and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, I will definitely, I'll put up your, uh, your handle and your Twitter handle and your website on, on the show. Right. So again, thank you for being thank on. You. It was a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. And thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Well, that was an interesting conversation, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, as you probably noticed, he did drop out for a second, but I'm just leaving that in. I'm not going to try to edit it out because I think we got the gist of what he was saying. So um, I'm not sure how some of you are going to feel about what he said. I know there are certain people out there that are ferociously, including my father, defensive of, of, of uh, Pelosi. You know, I, I, am, I understand what he said about the, the ice cream thing, but I also understand that she's in a specific kind of a position and I you know I mean I've talked about what they could what the Democrats have could have done in order to prevent this uh Amy Amy uh, okay I called her her real name but Amy COVID Barrett is what I'm going to call her I don't know if an impeachment would have made a difference I I know they didn't do anything and you know I will say even Bob mentioned my boyfriend that Democrats are just going oh well okay She's going to be the one, you know, they didn't fight it. And I wish, I wish that we would have tried a little harder, but I don't, you know, I mean, it's hard. It's like, it's, as Josh said, there are things that go on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And so it's very easy for all of us here to backseat drive the Senate and backseat drive Nancy Pelosi. Do I think she could have made better decisions? Of course, she's a human being. The same goes for Hillary Clinton. I still maintain, and I don't know that Josh would say this, but I maintain Hillary Clinton was the most qualified person for that job at the time um, and probably still is just because of, of her past experiences in life and history. And I know she gets a bad rap and I know that there is a certain part of the Democratic Party that just really doesn't like her. But at the same time, I look at the way that I look at what she's accomplished and I look at her. How can I say? Let me just say this. We have not walked in their shoes. And 
I agree that Chuck Schumer's kind of on the weak side. <laughs> I, I, I am going to reserve some of my criticism on Nancy Pelosi. Um, I'd rather actually wait until after this is all said and done and kind of look over historic, you know, historically look at this and say, uh, you know, what could she have done better, blah, 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 blah. But we're in such a terrible and dire position that I feel like I'm not ready to jump on her. And, you know, I mean, I, I want to be very clear here. I can imagine, you know, Josh said he likes to be divisive. And the whole point of my conversation was that I wanted to find some way for us to, and us meaning the people in our party, the Democrats, to, to get our shit together. Because there are people like, like Josh, who really don't like Nancy Pelosi. And there are people like my father, who's a Democrat and loves Nancy Pelosi. I mean, my father called me the other night while I was eating dinner. He's like, did you just see Nancy Pelosi? I love her. I love her. So, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be differences of opinion as we move forward. And I do, I really appreciate what he said about Joe Biden and his ability to understand the importance of healing and coming from a place of sad and horrible experience, but that would benefit all of us if he can truly reach across the aisle and find some kind of compromise. Um, all that said, I realize that Josh is maybe not for some of the people that are listening, but for those people, I mean, don't you agree with him that climate change is the first thing? And it's like, I, I'm kind of, I look at it this way. I look at people like Josh as those, those, he's got a tough job because he's going to go up against people like Nancy Pelosi, when all of us are on Twitter defending her and he's going to say, hey, that was a shitty thing that you did, blah, 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 blah. But he's, but it's not because he's trying to attack her because it's fun for him to attack her. He's, he's clearly very dedicated to helping our planet. And I think that we all have to keep that in mind because we get defensive when somebody criticizes someone we respect. And, and for the people out there who are like full on Nancy Pelosi stands, I can understand why you would feel defensive, but just remember, a lot of the people who are criticizing her, I'm not talking about the those how, who shall remain unnamed here, um, not the ones who are full-on attacking, but the people who are criticizing often are doing it because they want literally to make this a better country uh, for our air, our water, and all of it, and they're fighting for you. And we all have to figure out how the fuck to get along or at least how to come together and vote every single year. I mean, this is going to be something as we move forward. Jesus Christ, the election is less than a week as we move forward. And let's just I'm just going to go with Joe Biden winning because I can't fucking think of the alternative. But with the Joe Biden presidency, there is so much work that we're going to have to do. There's going to be work that Joe Biden has to do and, you know, everybody in his cabinet. And then there's the work of people who are, you know, I have a podcast. X has a podcast. Bob has a podcast. We all have our podcast. We need to fucking figure out a way to to make this work again, because 2022 is coming up. 2024 is coming up. And I believe that we do have to look forward to those. I, I we can't just focus on the direct and what's directly in front of us right now and, and not consider what's in the future. We have to consider what may come and then what is the best route so that we win. And right now I would say that is 
understanding that there are special elections, you know, it'll be 2022, or I'm sorry, 2021, there will be special elections. 2022, there may be some more, I don't, I don't even remember. See, I don't, I don't know the schedule of them. And maybe, you know, I don't know enough about government to go over this. But what I do know is there are elections not in every, they're not nationwide, but sometimes there's an election in North Carolina. There's a runoff or there's a special one or whatever it is. Pay attention. And then every fucking midterm, vote. Because if if Democrats would have showed up in 2014, in 20, uh, what is it, 2011, 2010, 2010 and 2014, maybe if Democrats showed up in huge numbers, the kind of numbers that they showed up in 2018, Maybe we would have kept the Senate and this fucking bitch wouldn't be a justice. Yes, I called her a bitch because she's a fucking bitch. But anyway, um, this is what I'm going to be focusing on. Not obviously solely, but it's definitely going to be one of my talking points moving forward throughout these next four years. We have to fucking make sure that we are all engaged and we understand the importance of, of why we need Democratic senators. And I don't know what's going to happen with the Lincoln Project. I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I don't trust them. But right now, okay, they are what they are. What's going to happen moving forward? If they enter the Democratic Party, if they do, and they help us by going after the Republicans, but as Josh said, they're you know going to be working for big oil or whatever it is because they are definitely money motivated. They've made a shitload of money since they've come out. It's like $30 million or something like that. Um, we're going to have to find a way to, they're going to have to find a way and we're going to have to find a way to work together, even though we're not necessarily going to agree on shit. We're, we've just got to figure that out. And that's so important to me. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not going to criticize, you know, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to react but I will absolutely go after people who are in the Lincoln Project if I think that they are now, you know, going off on their own and doing their own thing and ignoring us. If that's what, and then, but they want a piece of our pie. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up against them. But if there's a way we can all figure it out where it can work, I'm really all for that because I would much rather have a democratic party that works. You know, um, maybe we have to be pushed, but they'll do it. Republicans can't be pushed. The only thing that pushes them is big money. That's it. That is it. Majorities, all that shit. You know, they don't give a shit about how many people want clean air. They don't give a shit. They care about their own power and they care about money. And we all know that. And blah. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is my last show uh, for a week. I won't be doing it next week. I'm, of course, I'm coming back the week after that. And let me just say, I'm not sure what's going to happen the Monday after I. Uh, so it's going to be next Monday and Wednesday, not doing a show. And then the following Monday, I'm not sure. And, and, and part of the I'm not sure comes from my mom is getting a hip replacement and I may have to go see her uh, and help her out and go grocery shopping for her and do things for her. So I, I'm just letting you know right now, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen that second week. I do have somebody booked for that Wednesday. 
but I'm not going to make a promise for Monday. So I might be missing three shows. I'm going to try not to, but you know, I'll find out. So there's that. And I, I've got to say, man, I need a break. I need a break. So I'm taking a break. This has been a very difficult time for all of us. We have been abused. We have been beat up. It's been four months and I, I need to just fucking chill. I, I may call in to the Bob Seska show on, I don't know if he's going to do a Wednesday show. So we'll see what happens, but you know, maybe I'll call in on one of those days. And, uh, and, and if I do, what I'm going to do is take, if it's I'm pr- providing it's his free show, I will post it on my Patreon page. If you guys want to listen to that and I'll let you know, and I'll explain it. But, but other than that, he, this is my, <laughs> this is my last broadcast before the election. And we've all been waiting for this moment for a very long time, right? For four years, since November 8th, 2016, we have been chomping at the bit to get to this election day. And it's rapidly approaching. And I think there are some really good signs. Texas could go blue. I don't know that it will, but it could. And Florida could go blue. Um, you know, there, there are a couple of other states that look like they might be in play, I don't want to get overly excited about it, but I'm definitely hopeful. And I think we're seeing some really good signs. We're seeing a lot of voter participation. I don't know in every case how those people are voting, but participation is good. And that usually helps Democrats. So I'm just going to right now take what I can get as far as wins and, you know, what's positive out there. And then we'll just see what happens. We're in for some shit, though. I'm just going to say the lame duck session providing Biden wins. The lame duck session is probably going to be the worst of what we've seen since Trump came down that fucking escalator. Be mentally prepared for that. Be prepared for God only knows between now and January 20th, 21, be prepared for terrible, awful fuckery. Just be prepared and, and know that if Biden is the president elect, yes, Trump can do damage, but Noon on January 20th, he has no more power and the Secret Service, the United States military works for Biden when he's sworn in. So that keep that in mind and just keep that focus in mind. And the last thing I'm going to say is, I think it was, who was it? It might have been, I don't remember. It was somebody, I think it was Leslie Salzillo, if you're familiar with her. She requested on Twitter that at five o'clock every day, that you see something positive for Biden or, or you think of Biden. Well, I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to say 5 p.m. wherever you live every day, just make a point to visualize and feel how it's going to feel. Feel that feeling of joy to watch Joe Biden and Kamala Harris getting sworn in in their inauguration. Like really see it and, and feel what you're going to feel. Put yourself in that place of how it will feel because the feeling is the most important part and just do it. Just do it for a couple of minutes. If you can remember, maybe make a note, put a thing on your phone, take a few minutes. I I sincerely believe that when we have a collective vision and a collective focus that it can actually make a difference. I really believe that. So if you're into that stuff, then, you know, set aside five o'clock every day, just see, see that Biden, Harris, arms in the air, and, and, you know, we're moving forward. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye. Don't forget to, you know, you can follow me on, on, uh, on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. 
And then you can also read my books. They're on Amazon. Kimberly Johnson. I've got Peyton's Choice, which is about a teen abortion. And I know you cannot fucking wait to get your hands on that. And then The Virgin Diaries, First Time Sex Stories, American Woman, The Pole Dance and Voting. Extremely important voting. That's like the whole thing. But it's a lot of personal stories. And then also Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak. Uh, Thank you so much for sticking with me during these times. I started this podcast in 2016. It was right before the election right before the election wow so and my first guest was madison kimry the the girl i spoke of earlier who was who's at the time she was like i don't know 14 15 years old and now we're here so it's kind of like been full circle so you know it's right before the election oh my god anyway blue wave people i will see you when i see you